Yes, absolutely excited for week three. Should be another good one. It's fun. The NFL, I mean, NFL season's fun at the beginning um, because you really, I think more than like a lot of leagues, like there's the expectations like Ravens and Chiefs would be good. And of course that happens and the Jets are bad, like a lot of people thought. But then there's, you know, all right, what are the Jaguars going to look like? What are the Titans going to look like? What are the the Broncos, or the Bears, or the Lions, you know, all these teams that you're like, are they going to be playoff contenders? Are they going to be Trevor Lawrence contenders? So you start kind of getting a makeup of the entire league. Also this weekend, the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau winning his first major at six under over at the winged foot. You know, we talked earlier, Jan, on Friday about like week or day one and leading up to it, as always with the U.S. Open, it's all about how difficult the course is going to be and, and how many high scores we're going to have between all these professional golfers. After day one, there were 21 players who were under par, including Justin Thomas sitting there at five under on top of the leaderboard. After day one, the next three days, there were a combined 11 more rounds of golf that went under par, including DeChambeau's under par, under par performance on the final day, the only player to be under par on Sunday. Um, so the, so Wingfoot came Wingfoot came to play after day one, after after what looked like these players were going to be fine with it and, and just golf right through this apparently tough course. Uh, Wingfoot decided to turn it on on Friday and, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we saw the course that everyone was, was talking about. It was going to be so difficult. Like I said, Deshambo with the win, he wins by six strokes. He was the only player all weekend to not have any rounds above par. His worst day was, was an even, and he was also the only one to finish par finished at six under Matthew Wolf in second finished even you know, with the course we saw. A six-stroke lead, I mean, that that feels like an absolute blowout. I mean, he's the only one to even be under. It was only six. It was under six. Like, so six strokes is all that the victory was, but it, it feels like 20, 30. I mean, it, it feels like he absolutely ran away with this thing just because of, of how high scoring most cards were and how difficult the course was. Um, but DeShimbo gets his first major, and I think in November – in the changed masters, not the masters 2021 spring, but this fall, I think DeShimbo gets his second major and his first green jacket when he wins the masters. Jan, what'd you see from the weekend at golf? Who that's a, that's a good take on DeShimbo. I mean, we've been expecting this from DeShimbo for a little bit now. And so it was good for him to finally, you know, show us because he's, he's been ready for that. And it was good for him to finally show us that he has what it takes. And, I mean, he came out with a plum, like you said. You know, six under when the next guy up was even. That was great, you know. And he had to battle Wolf there for a little bit, you know. And and that's not easy to do either. It's easy to do if you're the only person playing well. But, you know, Wolf was up there for a little bit. You know, obviously rookie and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was good to see. I mean, big boy, big boy Bryson. He was, he was uh, good to watch. Um, and he's just always had such a good mid-level game. You know, he's got the power, obviously, but he just, he didn't miss a beat for sure. Even in, even in his even round, you know, things may come and things may go and me and Matt will die one day, but one thing won't. And it's that wing foot takes no freaking prisoners. It never has, it never will. And, and it just showed it again. How naive of us to think that after day one, all of a sudden, oh, winged foot has been conquered. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. It took Tiger Woods to like pop pl- plus eight, you know, and 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 just showed that you really have to be on. Of course, that happens more often now. Yeah, that's true. That's true for sure. But uh, yeah, that was my big takeaway. Is there's a lot of golfers, you know, DJ obviously had a had a had a resurgent end towards the end of last season and leading out to all of his championships. But I, 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 I'm waiting for a golfer to announce himself as the best. I don't think we've had a best in a little bit, you know? Like, I, you know, we thought it was Rory for a little bit, and he's been inconsistent since, you know? We've thought, you know, maybe, it, you know, it would be Brooks Kepka, and then he got the injury, you know? And, and Bryson Shamba, this performance, be careful. I agree. 
I think that if he can show up at the mat, I don't even think he has to win the Masters. If he can show up in the top five, there you go. You know, I, I think that he's ready to take over. And I think his performance is one that that is is you know, scary for other players because he was kind of beating himself a little bit. You know, he always had the game, but seemed to not have the confidence. He had a couple tournaments where it seemed like he was really frustrated and he finally got his emotions under control and, and balled out like we expected him to. So congratulations to Bryson DeChambeau. You know, obviously sad to see Tiger go out that way. Will he win ever again? I don't know. I really, really don't. You know, it's hard to say, but you know, he had such a good start and then kind of biffed it at the end. And um, that's just how it goes. And, you know, we got Masters coming up real soon, Matt. So, you know, we can only talk about this U.S. Open win for a little bit. But for now, DeChambeau deserves the respect that he gets from this win. You know, there was only one person that could hang with him. And that was only because he had the best probably game of golf in his freaking life, Matthew Wolf. You know, he's a good golfer, but I don't think that he's as good as maybe that performance will have shown. But, you know, happy for DeChambeau. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, it, it felt like a long time coming. This year in particular, he's, he's been on on top of his game. I think I think since Tiger's kind of downfall, there's been that that question of, of who's the best. Um, of course, Spieth had a little time, you know, back in 2015. We're like, oh, yeah, this guy's the next Tiger. I, I just don't, like, I think even if we get to a point where like, oh yeah, this guy is, he's like the get best golfer. I don't think we're ever going to get anyone that's like the clear headed number one best golfer in the world. Like we did against Tiger. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be matched again the way that Tiger had such control over the game of golf, just because that's how the game of golf is. And I think there's a lot, I mean, part, part of the legacy of Tiger is a lot of kids grew up wanting to be golfers. Um, so I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good golfers and a lot of talent on the PGA Tour right now, and I think that's going to continue. I mean, Matthew Wolf's 21 years old. Of course, we've talked about Colin Morikawa a lot. He's 23 years old, I believe. Um, you know, guys who are just young and also and already winning and competing in majors. So I think Deshambo has has the possibility to certainly be regarded as the best golfer, but I don't. I don't see anyone being dominant like Tiger was, um, at least for a, a long, long time. Certainly, it would be a, a generational type player because that's what Tiger was. But yeah, a great, a great tournament, tough course. Excited. Now we get five more majors for this golf turn or this golf season. So that's just incredible. But um, why don't you go over Jan everything that happened this weekend as far as some of the other major sporting events. Right. I mean, so much happened this weekend, and we obviously don't cover it in every episode, but let me give you a quick rundown. Uh, we had a Stanley Cup final game. That's right. Yeah, game we one. did. Yeah, we did. Stanley Cup final between the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Dallas Stars, of course, grabbed the first game in madness. I mean, just crazy. And they didn't just grab it. They beat the Lightning 4-1 to one on Saturday. Obviously, on the back of Anton Kadobin, once again, 35 saves, just as he did against the Golden Knights in that semifinal series. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Anton Kadobin's been considered too short to be an NHL goalkeeper for like 10 years now. And then just it just baffles me, like, why why people have been sleeping on him. Um, but, you know, he gets the job done, and he won't care what other people say because he is a top goaltender. I'd be like, uh, Drew Brees, like, I think Drew Brees is too uh, too short to play the quarterback position. Like, what? Yeah, Kyler Murray is too short to be good at you're not, football. You not heard what they did in, in the league? It's already happened. It's not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's crazy what people will say about stuff like that. That doesn't matter. Anyway. Dallas Stars had four different scores, so they got a wide range of firepower, including two defenseman goals. So that was also good for Dallas fans to see. Yanni Gord got another goal for the Lightning, which was good for Tampa Bay. Game twos tonight, you know, can Kucherov propel his team to a win, or will the Stars, you know, team grit be too much for the Lightning? You know, I, I was so high on the Lightning against a gritty Islanders team in the semifinals, and I just, I stuck with it that... You know, I don't think the Lightning have a chance of losing this, you know, and I was right there. But but I don't feel that way against the Dallas Stars. Just watching that first game, 
I think the Dallas Stars kind of can be can be the team to do it to upset the Lightning, and and really it's because Nikita Kucherov is doing too much for Tampa Bay. You know, like he's leading them in points, goals, and assists. You know, and that's great and all, but you need another player to step up. Is it going to be Yanni Gord who needs to score more than one goal? You know, is it going to be Braden Point? You know, you know Victor Hedman has to play better as well. So, you know, can the Lightning get that second win? Because if they go two zero down to this Dallas Stars team. I just think it's going to be real hard for them to get back, especially with how confident the Dallas Stars are right now. But Dallas Stars lead 1-0 Stanley Cup Final, and they will play game two tonight. What did you think about the Stanley Cup Final first game? Yeah, I mean, typical you and me being like, ah, the Stars probably won't be able to do it, and then the Stars go and win 4-1 to one and absolutely dominate in game one. It was it was an impressive performance. They've, they've been doing that all playoffs. I don't think this is a must win for Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay can go down 2-0 and still battle back um, because of the offensive firepower that they have and just the, the team that, that they've put together. But you certainly would rather be at 1-1. But I don't think, like I, you know, a lot of series, you're like, oh, if this team goes down, like the Nuggets last night after that loss, and we'll, we'll talk more about that, or you'll talk more about that coming up. But like certain series, you're like, they're down 2-0. I, I just think it's done. And I don't feel that way about the Lightning. I think the Lightning could go down 2-0 and, and still fight back. Yeah, I agree. I definitely don't think it's over and out. I just think going 2-0 down against the Islanders, no, for example, was, would, would have been I, – I would trust them more than against the Stars, just with oh, how, sure. Com- for sure. how confident the Stars are playing. Uh, we had more playoff action over in the WNBA, although not as much as we were hoping. Uh, we had the Suns beating the Aces 87-62 to and a blowout win for the Sun. I mean, surprising, but the Sun have been upsetting teams all tournament, so are we really surprised? I mean, this time it was Jasmine Thomas who led the Sun to the upset with 31 points on 13 of 18 shooting. I mean, she had it going on, and obviously her teammates helped her to that victory. You know, Asia Wilson had 19 points, but the rest of the starting lineup only combined for less than 15. So that she's need help. She needs help. That's just true. And and that, you know, it's it's a team sport, like we always say with basketball. Game two's on Tuesday. Aces are in the hole. <laughs> but uh the sun showed. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think like worse, I think worse than the joke was your satisfaction in the laugh there was so like you're like, hell yeah. Nailed. Hell yeah, it was great. Uh, but this, the Sun just proving to be the upset alert team, and they performed well in game one, and they needed to against a good Aces team. The other game we were supposed to see was the Minnesota Lynx against the Seattle Storm, but that game was postponed due to coronavirus. There were inconclusive tests for the Storm players. Not really sure what happened quite there, but safety first, good from the WNBA, rather than letting them play and maybe infecting a team and having them be out for the playoffs. So they play game one on Tuesday, no harm done. Hopefully the testing proves conclusive this time, and we'll see a good matchup between those two teams. Obviously the Seattle Storm being a top contender especially. Uh, but yeah, that's how the WNBA stands. We've seen the Sun win. We still have yet to see the other teams, so still lots to happen there. Do you think the Sun can do it? I mean, after this game, they look like they're ready for it. For sure they can do it. They won by They won by 25 points. And their leading scorer, Duana Boner, was two for twelve, and had eight points. Like that, your bet, your top scorer, fourth highest scorer in the WNBA. It goes two for twelve, and you win by twenty-five. That's insane. Yeah, it was a team effort for sure. I mean, they had it going on, and they play like a team. They played like a team the entire time. They don't rely on the one player like the the um, the Aces, like the uh, Seattle Storm do maybe two players there, but you know that's going to help them for sure. They're they're my Nuggets team. Uh, they just haven't come against their Lakers yet, just yet. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move to the NBA playoffs. Speaking of which, we had two games this weekend. My Boston Celtics grabbing the Game Three win over the Miami Heat. I told you they had to learn how to hold on to their leads. And they did. They got the large lead. They held on 117 to 106. They beat the Heat to grab game three. It is a two to one series, still in favor of the Heat. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, all scoring 20 plus. And unfortunately for them, because that sounds kind of ridiculous, that might be needed from now on to beat the Heat. It just might be. 
because they all, had, all of their starters were in double digits, and that's just the kind of series that it's, this is going to be. You know, Gordon Hayward coming back, giving some decent help on assist and rebound action. Can he help them in the points as well? We'll see. You know, and, and but like the Heat did not play bad in this game. I mean, they almost came back once again. We talked about Bam Adebayo being a rising star, twenty-seven points and sixteen rebounds. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is just at flat out ridiculous for a player that people are questioning at this point. You know, Tyler Hero, 22 points, ice in his veins, as per usual. You know, all of their starters in double digits, like I said. Just a really good team. It's going to be a slug fest. We love to see it. Celtics, you know, that's the thing. The Celtics have to get large leads because the Heat always bite into them at the end. That's just how the ebb and flow of this game goes. And it just depends. Can the Celtics score enough points in the second half to fend off whatever comeback the Heat have going on. This time they did. Can they do it in Game 4 on Tuesday, on Wednesday? We shall see. But for now, Matthew, we've got a series that is worth watching. It's not 3-0. It's 2-1, and anything can happen. Really excited about that one. More exciting than the Western Conference. Maybe not in terms of how the game ended, but in terms of how the series looks right now. The Lakers lead the Nuggets 2-0. They won Sunday 105 to 103 thanks to a buzzer beater three by Le- no, not by LeBron. It's by Anthony Davis. It's by Anthony Davis. Oh my. He had 31 points on the night. You know, the Nuggets outscored the Lakers in the third and fourth quarters. Jokic with 30, Murray with 25, Michael Porter Jr. showing once again his talent, 15 points from the bench. But, you know, the Lakers are not the Clippers. They have something that the Clippers didn't, and it's the will to fight a feisty team like the Denver Nuggets. They don't just relax on the fact that they have the better players. LeBron had 26 points and 11 rebounds, doing it more on the glass than he did in dishing it out in this game. Lakers win 2-0, and I think you're right. I think the Nuggets, this was their game to come back, grab a game, you know, maybe make this interesting. But Anthony Davis, three-point dagger, I think that's it for them. I really do. I don't see LeBron James giving four straight up to them, and, and I think that... This is where you go from here. It's been a good run. They'll probably grab a game. I'll give them a game, you know, but I I do think that the Lakers are are halfway into the the finals well and truly here. What do you think about the NBA playoff action this weekend? Yeah, it's been um it's been some fun starts to the conference finals. As for the West, I just that shot for the Nuggets to fight back so hard and then even that last sequence you know, they, they had some great defensive plays. I mean, the, the, the way they got that inbounds pass to Anthony Davis was off of a block of Jamal Murray on Danny Green. Like, so to fight so hard and then to have that moment and then Anthony Davis t- to come up and just be too damn good at the game of basketball and beat you, it's, it's going to be so tough for the Nuggets even to come out in game three and be like, let's go get this because it, it just has to feel like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Um Jokic was dominating yesterday. I Anthony Anthony Davis doesn't want doesn't want that physical kind of old school down low battle that that Jokic is looking for, and especially with Jokic, just t- like Jokic is so good because he can be physical down low, and then the touch that he has on the ball when he shoots is like it. it I mean, it's like you're watching two different things: this push and pull of physical and finesse. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Lakers just. I felt. I mean, even even if the Nuggets would have won that one, I think the Lakers would have still won. But I, after Game One, I said the Lakers were going to sweep. After last night, I the Lakers got the next two. We can go ahead and just pencil LeBron back to the finals after missing it last year. It's it's good to, to see him back. As for the Celtics and the Heat, you know that one still feels like anybody's game. Um, that Game Three, I think the the biggest thing for the Heat was was Goran Dragic. You know, he's been such a catalyst to this run. Um, for their improved play against Pacers, Bucks, and of course the Celtics. Um, but against the Celtics in Game Three, he was two for ten, uh, one for five from three. Only had, um, I think, yeah. Oh my God, had eleven points, five assists, but he also had five turnovers, and his plus minus was minus twenty nine. Yeah, that's. that's Horrendous. Um, so easily the worst game that Goran Dragic has played in these playoffs for the Heat. I don't think he's going to play like that again. I certainly hope not. If he does, then we can go ahead and book the Boston-LA final. But I think Dragic will bounce back. 
Um, certainly should play better than minus 29. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, what this game looks like on Wednesday, because these guys have come down, you know, to the bubble. And since we've started the bubble games and the playoffs, it's been pretty go, go, go. I mean, I don't think these guys have had many days where they've had, you know, more than two games off. Certainly mid series, they haven't. And now both these teams aren't going to play for four, get four days, um, three days, pardon me. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what that will do to either t- either team's mentality. If it'll kind of help these guys reset, if if it'll lose some of the momentum that they may have had. But I think you know right now my pick is is Heat Lakers, but I don't think the Celtics the Celtics are far far from from out of this series so far. And um, yeah, I mean like I said, maybe they come back Wednesday and maybe that that game away the few days away and that win. Kind of resets it now. Boston has the momentum. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and it is. We're not going to know who's the winner. And in one of my favorite Yannick takes, we're not going to know who's the winner until they've won. And that's just the truth. That's just so the truth. Last place you look for it, right? <laughs> yeah, but really exciting all around, and uh, happy to have the NBA playoffs as per usual. And whatever final LeBron ends up playing in, it's going to be fun as hell i want to see it i want to see jason tatum versus lebron james i want to see bam at against lebron james give it to me every day of the week so we had <laughs> i don't need have... breaks. yeah just that's fair just yeah. more and more uh, that's fair. actually that's... Like, i'm kind of going through well basketball withdrawal now like after for a month or so being able to be like like it's after the World Cup ends, or not even after the World Cup ends. It's like when you get to the World Cup, like quarterfinals or semifinals, and you're like, wait, I'm supposed to have games on all day, and now I have to wait to just watch one? Yeah, you're what is it like with the NBA now? Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, that's how that's how this is going to treat us. Once We're not going to be able to go back to normal sports as, no. as, as it is. No, I definitely agree with that. I definitely no agree with that. No tonight, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Saints Raiders. That's tonight, right? That'll be fun. Yeah. Well, um, there's still plenty of sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rhetorical question. Certainly, Rhetorical. certainly plenty of those. I just mean sure. typically NBA basketball. I'm shit yeah. out of luck. Shit out of luck. Shit out of luck. All right. Well, we talk about another man who was shit out of luck, and that was Tyron Woodley in the octagon on Saturday against Colby Covington absolutely shit out of luck they've been trash talking for three years and that's the performance you put in tyron come on that was terrible that was awful covington dominated the entire time woodley got uh woodley was stopped in the fifth round i mean you look at the strikes you know that were landed how many what do you think the give me like a number how many strikes do you think covington got over over woodley give me a number I I lost you for a second there. Oh, I said, how many strikes do you think Covington got over Woodley? Like, it's a ridiculous amount. Give me an actual number, though. I just want to let you know how bad this was. Uh, that that how many strikes Covington hit more than Woodley? Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I I don't think I see saw Woodley throw a punch. I I forgot that Tyrone Woodley even went into the octagon. I honestly, I would say over a hundred. Right. It was over 100. It was 232 to 67. I mean, that is embarrassing, especially for a man who's been talking so much trash. We love trash talk in the UFC, but you come to the octagon and that's what you put up and then you lose basically by citing a rib injury. We'll see if that's true. I don't know. I didn't believe it. I was like, Kobe Covington's kicking your butt. That's what's happening right now. Give me give me a break. Give me an absolute break. But great win for Kobe Covington. You know, he came in. And he backed up his trash talk, and you know, say, and you know, Daniel Cormier said it best. He had a tweet: "Love him or hate him, Covington can fight." Very hard to see this last stretch of fights from my man Tyron Woodley. That's like 15 rounds in a row where he hasn't been able to get going. Got to take a real look at what's next. Someone you know that can really tell him that. But great win for Kobe Covington. What'd you think about the fight, buddy? Yeah, I think, um, like Cormier says, and, you know, as I kind of jokingly mentioned earlier, Tyron Woodley was just like that. That wasn't the Tyron Woodley that the UFC 
is known and love and and was you know the ex welterweight champion of the world like that guy was was such a shadow of of his former self which it's sad to see those kind of fights um go that way because Covington is a really good fighter and it would have been nice it would have been fun to see I mean if this ha- fight could have happened like 2 years ago when L- Woodley was closer to his peak I think it could have been a really good fight but Colby Covington is really fine in his form as a fighter while Woodley's kind of on the way out. And um, you saw that. I mean, Covington's a terrific wrestler, one of the best wrestlers in all of the UFC. I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready for another battle with Usman. I, I suppose Usman pro- probably should uh, fight Gilbert Burns first, but I wouldn't mind to see another rematch with those guys. Um, both of them are, are terrific wrestlers. Of course, Usman got the the knockout ran, win in their their last fight and then last round, so bring it on! I, I always like to see the, the wrestlers go at it, and, and Usman and Covington are, are two of the best. But yeah, definitely a deserved win for Covington. It, it wasn't it wasn't a fight right from the first round. I mean, this thing was over pretty quickly. Yeah, it was over pretty pretty quickly, and we're all excited for hopefully another matchup between those two. Not as excited for some other matchups coming up this weekend, but yeah, buddy. We excited Adam Zaya, Paulo Costa should be a fun matchup. But that was the UFC action this past weekend. And I think there's one last topic we should talk about this last weekend. Matt, what do you think that topic is? We got to go just a little quick recap on the college football. Let's do it. Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. I gave so much love to the Raging Cajuns last week and my pick of them over Georgia State. And they got really close to making me look like an idiot. They were down 14-0 early to their conference opponent, a conference rival. In the end, they were able to push the game to overtime where they got a 34-31 win. Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, survive. They stay undefeated. Unfortunately, Appalachian State was upset. So my uh, Sunbelt ranked game to look forward to, I don't think will be happening. But Louisiana Lafayette won. Only so barely. The team who I picked that still won, but may have looked worse than Louisiana Lafayette, was Oklahoma State. Yeah. They could not do anything against Tulsa. Of course, their uh, starting quarterback was injured, so that that's a huge impact on their offense. But when you're talking Okie State, as I said last week, it really starts and ends with Chuba Hubbard, and he could not get it going as well as, as the kind of thing they expected. 93 yards and a touchdown, so not a horrible day on the offense uh, at the office, but – not what you're expecting from a guy who is unanimously an All-American and probably the Doak Walker Award favorite at this moment. So 16-7 to win for Oklahoma State. You know, maybe it's the first game of the year, in-state rival, I don't know. But I think a lot of people were thinking Oklahoma State could, could threaten Oklahoma for the Big 12 title. And if that's the team they're putting out there, I do not see that occurring for the Sooners. UCF Georgia Tech, UCF rolled by the Yellow Jackets, 49 Wow, to yeah. Freshman quarterback Jeff Sims, again, he showed some nice stuff for Georgia Tech. It was the second week that he started after their win over Florida State. Uh, he, he looked he looked strong for a freshman quarterback. He was just going up against too much in Dylan Gabriel in Central Florida. Gabriel throws for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. And the Knights of Central Florida – they're going to be undefeated again. It's just every few years we're just going to see UCF go undefeated. They've got a really good team, high-caliber offense, um, and a defense that's that's figuring it out after losing guys um, to opting out because of COVID. And then the big game of the week, the one we highlighted, it was number 17 Miami against number 14 Louisville, and the Hurricanes rolled against the Cardinals. Cameron Harris with another 100-yard game for Miami. De'Eric King looked very, very comfortable. And that offense, 325 yards and three touchdowns. Malik Cunningham for Louisville looked good himself, 307 yards and three touchdowns. It was a real offensive um, shootout that the Canes won, 47 to 34. So not a lot of defense in this one. Again, a time where I reiterate, man, Miami would probably love to have Gregory Rousseau on that line because Canes look good. And they, I think they could make some noise in the ACC. Still not quite um, up to Clemson's caliber, I would assume. But I, I think they could certainly be the second best team in the Atlantic Coast Conference this year. And, uh, you know, looking forward to next week, the SEC finally joins the college football play. We've got number 23, Kentucky, and number eight, Auburn. 
Louisville is still ranked. They've got a ranked battle against Pittsburgh next week. Army is in a ranked battle against Cincinnati. Uh, Big 12 action kind of starts getting underway. We'll go over more games specifically later in the week. But the college football season is, is really starting to get underway, and most of the teams that are playing this year will kind of be in action starting this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I love Derek King. I think he showed us what we needed to see was that Cody out battle and a you know ranked opponent, and he did. <laughs> so it'll be really interesting to see how the the Canes move forward. But I am happy for him that he's finding his stride. Uh, Chuba Hubbard's got to do better. OK State, that was an embarrassing display, even with the win. I mean, you should be blowing out Tulsa, and you didn't. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what they can do. But really... It's all about what's coming next. I mean, I love those matchups, Kentucky-Auburn. I love that. I love all the SEC action uh, coming back into play. And uh, it's just going to be exciting from here on out. And before you know it, Big Ten football will be back, and that'll be exciting as well. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you asked me how, how far I thought the Hawkeyes could do. And with that schedule, we get we get a dodge Ohio State. We get a dodge Michigan. I'll take it. You'll ta- I'll take it too. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, well – now I got my hopes up. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Now I start. We're going eight no, and we're gonna win it all. We're gonna win it all. You hear uh, that, Ma? Know. We're gonna win it we, all. You mentioned it in our last episode. The MLB playoffs are almost here. They're just right around the corner. I guess with the weather, it, it makes sense, and it is September twenty first. So I guess for a lot of reasons, it makes sense. But it doesn't feel that way because it's been such a a shortened season. But Let's move our way to the MLB. Let's start with the power rankings. Give everybody your top five teams in the MLB. All right. Well, I'll stop, start at number five. And uh, this might be against my better judgment, but I just think they look like they're on the up and up after getting some injured guys back. It is the New York Yankees. They get people back from injury. They get back to business. They're 31 and 22. They've clinched the playoffs. I mean, really, you know, it is about Aaron Judge coming back and Deej LeMahieu is leading in WAR. So, like, you know, they're back to their best. Garrett Cole, for the most part, has been their best pitcher, kind of gives them that leadoff. But Luke Voigt, the unexpected monster in RBIs, in home runs. I mean, he is just embodiment of New York, too, if you've ever seen him play. So I like the New York Yankees. I give them the number five spot. Who you got number five, buddy? I've got... The A's of Oakland over there at number five. Yeah, I was the Yankees. I think the Yankees are my number six team. They just they just miss out. But yeah, the the A's are like I kind of said about it before. It's it's the Oakland way. You know, this is a team that gets contributions from from all over the field, all over the bullpen and the pitching staff from different hitters each week. They haven't had a losing streak of more than two games. They've only had a losing streak of more than two games. Pardon me, just twice this season. So it's not a team that, you know, lets losses get to them, which is crucial in the playoffs, especially this year when you've got, you know, round of three, round of five, so on and so forth. So, yes, the Oakland Athletics are my number five team. My number four team, and then I'll let you do four, is the San Diego Padres. Led by Mr. Fernando Tatis, this team, as I said the other day, you know, it's a I don't know if Manny Machado knew something or if he's just lucked out because this team, even though they're number four, it feels like they could be the best team in baseball. They've got a lot of youth. They also have star power. They're just a, a good, solid team. And even though they're, you know, the second best team in their division, they certainly could be the best team in the NL. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also have the Slam Diego Padres in fourth. Um, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been slumping lately, so that does worry you a little bit. You know, can he, you know, pick his head up and do well? But meanwhile, Manny Machado's just taken over the MVP conversation for the Padres instead. Somehow they have two NL MVPs on one team. That makes any team dangerous. San Diego Padres, what talent on that team had to put them forth. Also, a little note, I had the A's at my six, so, you know, we were in very much thinking there. You know, I love the A's as well. Uh, at my number three team, I'm going to make a little bit of a controversial pick. I say the Tampa Bay Rays sit at three for me. Now that might seem crazy because they are leading the AL after all, and they are 35 and 19. They've clinched the playoffs and they're a great all around team with Brandon Lowe leading in home runs, runs, RBIs and OPS and trailing only DJ LeMahieu and WAR. 
and he's like a, really like a jack of all trades. He's played seven games in right field, four games in left field. I mean, he really can do it all. They've got some good pitching. Tyler Glasnow is back to business. They are great. They are great. They're just not what my most exciting team is. So I put them at three as my best team of the teams that I'm not the most excited about. So that's why I put them at three. Who you got at three? The best team of the teams that I'm not so excited about. I like that. Those are going to be, that's going to become a weekly ranking segment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the ranking's that crazy because I also have the Rays at three. You know? Yes. It's uh, a team who, after starting the season slow, they really got hot and then they've dealt with injuries. But this team just has, I mean, next man up mentality. They have a ton of depth in the Tampa Bay organization, and you're seeing it this season. They've, they've kept up that strong play, even with all the injuries that they've endured. Um, and technically, I think they are leading the AL, but I think it's by like a game. Like I think I think they're like 35 and 19, and the Sox are 34 and 19. So it's pretty neck and neck between those two. And the White Sox are my number two on the power rankings. They've been, I would argue, the most surprising team in baseball, led by Jose Abreu, who's absolutely crushing it for him. You got Tim Anderson. You just got a good team and good baseballs back on the south side of Chicago, which is nice to see. Right. I mean, it's really good to see them. First time since 2008, they've looked like a playoff team. Uh, I mean, we got stars on this team. Stars, plural. They are 34-19. and 19. They clinched the playoffs. Lewis Roberts, star. Eloy Jimenez, slugger. Tim Anderson, somehow better than last season? What? And Jose Abreu, like we talked about, leads the AL and WAR in RBIs while hitting over 300, I believe. Again? Great. And you know what? Just like the Padres, what I like about this team is they have two AL MVPs kind of on their team in Jose Abreu and Lewis Roberts. So that's also what I love. That's what you want in a team. You want two players that can get it done. Then the Chicago White Sox have it. Well, since you have the Chicago White Sox at two, I can only imagine, unless you've completely lost your mind, that you have the number one, and it's still the Los Angeles Dodgers. It just feels like their year. They are 38-16. and 16. You know, last year's stars struggling a little bit, not going to lie, but that's okay. Because they got Mookie Betts, and he's thriving in L.A. He's doing absolutely everything. And even more importantly, Clayton Kershaw looks like the ace pitcher that we expect him to be, and that's what's going to make the difference in the playoffs. So they've got good vets, good young players, good, 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 good. Dodgers, number one. Yeah, it's. I, mean, I think it's impossible to have any other team there. They're just, they're just good through and through, top to bottom. They've got veterans, they've got playoff experience, they got superstars, they've got pitching, they've got hitting, they've got everything you want. It'll be interesting to see with Kershaw, I mean, because Kershaw has been arguably the greatest regular season pitcher of all time. And then he gets into the postseason, the World Series, and he looks like a completely different guy. I wonder in this shortened season of a hundred less games, now obviously a pitcher doesn't pitch in every game, but still a shortened season even for a pitcher, I wonder if that's gonna be a benefit to him i wonder if those long regular seasons where he's had to be such a dominant pitcher all season i wonder if those catch up to him in the playoffs and this year having a shortened year having less starts if he'll be able to stay a little more fresh he'll be able to keep on being that clayton kershaw that we know he can be because i mean most of the time when you're talking kershaw you're talking about the best pitcher in the league for you know a decade now but he just hasn't been able to replicate those performances in the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, it is going to be a wild playoff year in the MLB. 16 teams are going to make it this year as opposed to the normal 10 top two teams from each division and then two wild cards from, from each league. The Rays, Yankees, White Sox, Twins, and A's have all clinched playoff spots in the AL while the Dodgers and the Padres are the only ones to have secured their spots in the postseason. Cleveland and Blue Jays look pretty poised to get the AL wildcard spots, while the Phillies, Reds, Brewers, and Giants are all kind of competing on the NL side for those last two spots. I think it's going to be a really, really exciting year for the MLB playoffs. you got the first round. It's a best-of-three series. Round after that's best-of-five, and then the LCSs in the World Series go back to best of seven, but I just, it feels like it's poised for a lot of upsets for a lot of unexpected teams to make a run. 
I, I think it really is just going to favor for for whatever team is hot when the playoffs start. I think that's who we're going to see lifting up the trophy at the end, whether they're the eight seed or the one seed. Whatever team, when the playoffs start, is playing the best baseball, I think they're just going to fly right through the playoffs this year, which I think is probably going to be the Dodgers. But I think we'll see some surprises. What are you looking forward to most with the, with these playoffs this year, Jan? I mean, we have two teams in the top, let's say, six, because we had them differently ranked, right? And the A's and the Rays, right? And they both thrive off of their consistency. But, you know... In the playoffs, sometimes surviving on consistency can hurt you because if a team gets hot and all you have is consistency, that's hard. That's hard. So can the A's and the Rays, you know, match up against a hot team that comes from underneath them because those teams can get hot. The Braves might be underneath them, but if they played the Braves and Acuna Jr. wants to go off, you know, it's it, it does become, do they have enough to, to kind of come back against that. And um, we'll see. I mean, I think they definitely do. They've shown that, you know, they haven't lost a lot of games. It's not like they're going even or anything like that. But there's just so many exciting teams underneath them that can do a lot of damage. Um, so those are the two teams I'm really interested to see play because you know the Dodgers are going to do well. You know the Padres are going to do well. You know the White Sox, hopefully, you know, obviously we haven't seen them in the playoffs in a hot sec, but we know the White Sox are probably going to do well. We know the Yankees are going to do well. But, like, what are the Rays and the Athletics actually going to do in the playoffs? Be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I'm very excited to, for everything, and I think it's definitely poised for upsets um, because of all the good teams coming from the bottom as well. Yeah, it has, like, the feel to me where – because I just – I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are, are really going to lose pace or anything. So it has, it has a feel to me where, like, I think the Dodgers are going to do what the Dodgers do and make the World Series, and, like, everywhere else it's going to be – just absolute chaos. And I think that's yeah. going to help in itself to the the Dodgers finally getting over that hump and, and getting that World Series title that has been so elusive to them over these last five years or so. Um, but yeah, it should be a great playoffs. Now we're going to talk a little bit MVP. I'm going to start on the AL side of things. So the AL, I am going Jose Abreu. As I mentioned, the White Sox prop probably the most surprising team in all of the MLB. Not a lot of people thought there would be a playoff team, let alone possibly the best team in the AL. He's been the catalyst for this team. He leads the league with 53 RBIs, second in the league with 18 home runs. He's been an absolute beast. He brings that veteran leadership to the team, and he's got Chicago ready to go win another World Series title. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go against that. Obviously, I think that they're definitely a a favorite for me as well. Um, I, I just, and I, I here's what I'll say. No, I, he's my number two. I just, I want to see a pitcher win MVP again. That's kind of where I stand. And a Shane Bieber has looked freaking phenomenal. Obviously, he's not playing for one of those top five, six teams. But like, I just think he's been playing out of his mind. He showed it again last night. You know, I just think Shane Bieber is going to be my AL pick. A uh, little, little preferential, but definitely there. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think with a pitcher, I mean, it's tough for a pitcher to win MVP. And I think in this season, it seems particularly tough for me just because like I think as a pitcher, you really you have to have such a profound impact on your team. And he's only his team's only making the playoffs because they're adding two wild cards to it. But Bieber has been phenomenal. I just for me, I'm not sure he impacts I mean that's the tough thing with a pitcher too, is you don't play I mean when you only play one every five games or so, it's tough to have like that MVP sort of impact. But if anyone it's deserving of it. It's it's the season that the Bieber's had. Over for the NL, I'm going with the young man. I'm going Fernando Tatis. I know Machado's getting some uh, you know heat there. Betts is going up. Freddie Freeman and everybody. But I'm going with Tatis. He, he's he's changed the mindset of the Padres. He's got he hits he's hitting 278, 15 home runs, 41 RBIs. But this is a team that hasn't won the division since 2006, and quite frankly, they're not going to win the division this year. And they haven't won the NL since 1998. They've got no World Series. This is a team that just culturally 
are losers. The Padres aren't aren't a team that wins. They're not a team that has a lot of swagger, that has a lot of confidence. And Fernando Tatis and the way he carries himself, the way he leads and how he plays and how he leads off the field has changed their culture, has changed the way that they play, that the MLB and the rest of the league perceives them. And for that, he is my MVP. Um, and I, I would love to see the Padres make a run. They're such a fun team to watch. They're so fun to watch. They're so fun to watch. And I agree. I definitely want to see them go. I mean, it's definitely a two-person race in my head between Fernando Tatis Jr. and my pick, which is Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts has just been phenomenal in his LA season. I I think Fernando Tatis, you know, I just think that he slumped in the last six games. And I think that he has to pick it back up in these last four or five in order to like prove to me that he deserves it so much more over Mookie Betts, who's also had a great season. I think that, you know, had he not gone through that slump, even if he had it been even in a little bit of like a more mild one, then it'd be great. But Manny Machado's really taken over that team in the last couple of games. So I need him to show me that he's not just the rookie of the year, that he is the NL MVP, but definitely it's two between them. It's going to be hard to call for sure. And he has changed the culture there. He has made San Diego fans excited for the first time in a really long time, you know, even before Machado got there. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, slumps probably this year. I mean, because every baseball player goes through slumps. They probably are highlighted a little more in the 60 game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as opposed to 162, 164. Yeah, I was close to picking bets. The only reason I didn't was just because the Dodgers have so much. And I was like, they have so many great hitters and so many guys that make an impact on the field that I was like, I'm going to make, that's going to give me, give the nod to Tatis. But um, I, right. But I certainly would have no, trouble with Betts getting it because he has been phenomenal it's just you know it's it's kind of it's almost like the LeBron effect like yeah you might have been the best player but then you're with a bunch of other or maybe not a LeBron effect maybe like a Durant effect when he was with the okay era with the Golden State when they're like yeah you're dominating you're really good but like have you seen the team you're on Right, exactly. And for me, I, the reason I didn't pick Fernando Tatis Jr. was I think he wins Rookie of the Year, and I and I just see an awards committee maybe saying that's what you get, you know. Yeah, some league, some leagues maybe they might be usually they usually don't care. I'm pretty sure Trout did that, one above. Yeah, too bad Trout but team's bad. Otherwise, good. he might be up for AL MVP too. <laughs> Can they just let him leave already? You clearly are not going to make this team into a winner. Let the most talented baseball player go. Just let him play anywhere else. I'm so sick of a once-in-a-generation type player just dwindling away with the Los Angeles. Angels of Anaheim. Ugh, whatever. Okay, Jan. We're moving to the cool down. The sick. cool down. Sweet R&B music hits. That's not. I'm not even going to try because that was not going to be it. Yannick. I want to know what your favorite rom-com is. Oh, favorite rom-com. So I have kind of like two separate answers, only because rom-coms for me fall into two categories. We have so many great recent rom-coms, but it's really hard to compare those against like the classics, you know? And I'm such like a classics guy. So like my classic favorite that I would have said like most of my life is definitely Sleepless in Seattle. Love Sleepless in Seattle. So good. Tom Hanks. Give me it all the time. Love that movie. Uh, Harry Met Sally is also great. That would be number two up there. But recently, Crazy Rich Asians was so... I loved Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians was one of my favorite movies when it came out. It still is really, really good to me. And one, if you haven't seen The Lovebirds on Netflix, it's a 2020 movie with Kumail Nanjani and Issa Rae. Oh my God, it's so fucking funny and so fucking good. Thanks, you yeah, have to watch it. Oh, you have to, Matt. You'll love it. You'll absolutely yeah. love it. The Lovebirds is another good. Everyone out there should watch The Lovebirds. But gun to my head, Sleepless in Seattle. Nice. I like it. Big Meg Ryan fan, Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Had no Ryan. idea. Had no idea you were such a big Meg Ryan fan. I didn't either until you said that and I made the connection. <laughs> wow. And you call yourself a diehard Meg Ryan fan. I never said that. Unbelievable, Yannick. <laughs> Unbelievable! Oh, I got all, all great movies. I, I want to see um, that movie on Netflix. I love Issa Rae so so much. My oh, favorite rom com. The first rom com I remember like really really liking was The Wedding Singer. 
with oh, not, not the wedding singer, the wedding planner. Pardon me, not the Adam Sandler movie, the J Lo movie with Matthew McConaughey. Um, just you know, just a classic rom com. I also love the proposal, and I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, I want to go to Alaska because it looks really gorgeous. And then I uh-huh. found out they filmed it all in Maine, so I guess I want to go to Maine because that looks beautiful. But I'm going my top one, my favorite rom com. I think partly because now I live in New York too. Like living here makes me like New York based movies even more. I'm going Hitch, Will Smith, Eva Mendes, Kevin James, The Love Doctor. It was on TV the other day and I turned it on. I was like, God, I still love this stupid ass movie so much. Mm, I love that pick. I love that. I forgot about Hitch. Thank you for reminding me. I got to go back and watch it now. Absolutely. I think I might have Hitch on Blu-ray. Yes. I, when I say that I love Hitch, I am not like this isn't a jet. Like sometimes you know with movies that like in jest. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Like like it ironically or something. No, Hitch is one of my all time favorite movies. Probably not even just rom com. Okay, Jan, let's open up the old history book. Give me your history fact for the day. Right. Well, uh, I have a question for you, Matt, to start off my history fact for the day. Do you know who has the top best selling album of all time? Um, I always thought it was Thriller. Thriller is number two. It was recently passed in 2018 by the Eagles. Their greatest hits is wow. the number one best-selling album of all time. But here's my fact for the day that's interesting. The top three best-selling albums are as followed. Number one, Greatest Hits by Eagle. Number two, Thriller by Michael Jackson. And number three, Hotel California by Eagle. Like that is wow. that, that like Eagles. that is crazy. They got two top three best selling albums of all time, and 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 those albums share songs. So that's also what's crazy for me. Like that's nuts for me. So I really thought that was a good fact to find um, some songs to get into it. If you're not an Eagles fan right now, obviously Hotel California, Desperado gets me every time. Lion Eyes, Take It Easy, all great songs. That's that's impressive, Eagles. Yeah, go, go Eagles. I feel, go like, I feel like greatest hits of all time, though. I feel like that like album shouldn't be allowed to, to compete in the um, highest selling album thing. You know, that's fair. Like it's it's not you just put together all your best songs. Yeah, that's you fair. Know, it's not like original. Yeah, yeah. you know what sure. I mean. I, I can see that. But you still, know, still impressive, nonetheless. Good job, Eagles. Yeah, at least Ooh, one Eagles. They're like the one they're like James Cameron of of albums. Right, exactly. At least one Eagles is doing well. <laughs> one of them, one of them, one of them is doing so well right now. All right, my uh, historical fact of the day. I got a sporting one for us. In 1955, boxing heavyweight legend Rocky Marciano fought his last fight in his illustrious 49 and zero career, beating Archie Moore with a ninth round knockout at Yankee Stadium. It was on this day in 55. That he had that last fight. Did you also know that Rocky Marciano passed away in a plane crash in Newton, Iowa? I did not know that. He what passed away in a plane crash? Yeah. What? I thought that was Buddy Holly's claim to fame. Apparently, don't be a famous person and get in a plane near Iowa. It, I'm driving everywhere. Yeah. Really At least back in the 50s. That's fair. That's fair. I guess, no, this was in the 60s. I think this was like 67. His last fight was in, in 55. But yeah. The boxing great Rocky Marciano, his last fight of his career was on this day 65 years ago. And now, Yannick, I hope you turned up the heat in your apartment because it's quick fire question time. Oh, God. This is the perfect question because, well, actually, we'll see. You could probably turn around and still just talk about Bayern the whole time. Yannick, who is Bayern's biggest challenger in the Champions League? In the Champions League. Ooh, okay. Um, I would say our biggest rival in the Champions League. I'm trying to say it out slow so I can figure one out because I, I don't know that there's a clear one. That's what I'll say. I think it's probably still, in terms of talent and in terms of consistency with their team. You know, I, I I still like, and I know they went out early, but that doesn't mean anything to me because they went out 
with Atletico, you know, but because of how they performed against us the year that they kind of went to the final and won, I'm going to say Liverpool still is, is probably our biggest Champions League uh, kind of contender. You know, I know they didn't go very far, but like Atletico can knock out any team. I think they still have all of their assets. They added Tiago. They still got their coach. They're not, they're not a choking team like Manchester City, for example. You know, PSG kind of in the beginning of their season, they've proven to me that they have some stuff, not that they're not going to win, but they have some stuff they need to figure out. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say Liverpool. I think they're the most consistent team that can that can uh, match up against us. And they do have the head-to-head victory from uh, a year ago. That's true. <clears throat> that is true. Yeah, I mean, only one year away from, from winning the Champions League themselves. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they what they do now in this season after winning and winning the Premier League. Um, now it'll be a fun Champions League season. It'll be interesting to see how PSG does after making their first final, what all the Spanish sides look like, what have you. All right, next quick fire question. The Vikings, the Eagles, the Texans, all of these were 2019 playoff teams. They are also all 0-2. Which of these three teams do you think has the best chance of returning to the playoffs? Has the best chance? Yes, of returning to the playoffs. Okay. Um, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say mm, I'm gonna say the Eagles, and here's why: not because I think the Eagles is the best team of those three, but I think the Eagles has the best chance to still win their division. You know, I don't think the Texans can win their division without with how you know good some of the other teams performing in there are, and I definitely don't think that the Vikings have a chance now that they've fallen to this start and the Packers are doing so well. The Eagles still have that chance to grab the NFC, um, the NFC East victory, even though they're not really great, especially with Saquon Barkley going out and especially with the Washington Football Team, you know, somehow being on top right now. Cowboys are obviously the one that they're going to have to beat, but the Cowboys have looked vulnerable plenty of times. So I'm going to say the Eagles, but I don't think any I don't think any of those teams make the playoffs this year. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I don't I don't know if any of them sneak in. I think the Eagles probably do have the best chance. Texans as well, just because it's not like the AFC South is is that daunting. But I kind of think all three of them are going to be sitting at home when it comes to playoff time, and Deshaun's going to be pissed. Yeah, and Bill's gonna be Bill's gonna be sitting at home. Home, he's not even gonna be the Houston Texans home. All right, the final quick fire question of the day: Who do you think is more likely to win the Finals MVP, Anthony Davis or LeBron James? Oh, that's mean. That's yep. mean. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I have to start Make making more happy. I have to start making. Like my, I have to start making my quickfire questions meaner because you always hit me with hard ones, and I feel like I throw softballs to you. I gotta, I gotta, I'll do it hard for next one. Um, Get on, dude. I will. Get on. I, I freaking will. Um, I, okay. So here's what I'll say. Whoever gets to the from the East to the finals, the Celtics or the Heat, right? They're getting there. Who's gonna win the finals MVP. Anthony Davis or LeBron James? I'm I'm gonna pick one. I'm just getting you to my my Your way of thinking. Is irrelevant. Yeah, no, but it is because here's why: whoever gets out of the Eastern Conference to the final, they're getting there on the back of really good coaching rather than really good players, right? Like, of course, they both have really great players. I'm not saying that they don't, but they both also have very great coaching, which means that they're gonna throw a lot of things at the Lakers. Because of that, I think they have a way of making Anthony Davis a little less effective than they've been in some of the Western Conference games. And because of that, I think LeBron James is going to need to be the one that wins it for the Lakers. And so I think LeBron James is the MVP. You didn't have to bring up the Eastern Com- Conference. Still but, was, but, but but if it was just like a one-on-one, I think it would be Anthony Davis. That's what I'm saying. I know, I know. My, my, well, my point was just being, if you think that both Eastern Conference teams, if that is the case, then you wouldn't have to. I'm, I'm just Let kidding. me say myself, they might be out soon, okay, man? Yeah, well, neither of them are beating LeBron. All right, y- Yannick's going LeBron. I I think you're right. I think he just impacts the game in so many different ways. But I think if, I think if Anthony Davis has, like, two games where he gets, like, close to 40 points, he might sneak it. But it's one of those media things, too, where, like, you know – the media is going to want to give it to LeBron. So I almost feel like Anthony Davis will have to be 
so like so obviously the finals MVP, like so dominant that like there's no way you can't give it to him. Otherwise, if there's like any leverage that they can give it to LeBron, they're they're gonna give it to LeBron. They just are. Right. I think he has to average 35 plus points a game, and LeBron has to be less than dominant like next to him like if he averages 35 plus points a game but lebron averages 30 plus plus like a bunch of yeah it's just not gonna it's not gonna matter i think you're right all right well it's been another terrific episode talking everything sports it's kind of nice now getting into more of a, a rhythm we get to stay more on top of everything instead of trying to pick and choose thank you guys so much for joining us please stay safe out there wear a mask do not forget our september initiative for every listen that our episodes get, Yannick and I will be donating a dollar to a Black Lives Matter charity to match it. So please listen, 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 share, share, share. Get everybody in your family to listen to it. Go register to vote. Hug your mother. Hold the door open for a, an, uh, an old lady or a young lady for anyone. Hold the door open's nice. Yannick, you got anything else for the wonderful people? Yeah, I just want to report, you know, we're over $100 raised for this Black Lives Matter initiative. We're really happy about that. We still got about 10 days left in the month, so let's keep going. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for the people that have been helping us personally with the podcast. And we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you as always, guys. We'll talk to you in a few days. Cheers, y'all.